Congratulations! We are happy to inform you that you are eligible to compete in the MetaZoo Earth Tower event in New York, New York. Looks like we're headed to the East Coast. <laughs> hey, Hodag, do you want to ride up top or do you want to run behind? All right. Snipe, you're with me. We've got a long drive. Hello. This is Towers, a MetaZoo podcast. My name is Esther, and today we're going to get into the meat of it. Earth Tower is upon us. I promised I would give you what secrets I found. This is going to be the first in probably three episodes that covers that. I want to once again do the disclaimer, I'm an intermediate player. I'm not necessarily offering you the best deck building advice, but at least I'm offering you some deck building perspective. Building a solid spell book is so key to this game. You don't want to have lost your match before you even sit down at the table. And while a great player can pilot a mediocre spellbook to victory, a great player will likely pilot a great spellbook to victory. So let's get into it. So you open your acceptance letter, you accept, you get into a tower. How do you build a spellbook? This is a topic that can be really difficult for new and even intermediate players to dig into and to find resources on. There's plenty of resources when it comes to how to play the game or how to play the cards, but because there's $50,000 of prizes on the line, people understandably are going to be playing their hands very close to the chest when it comes to what's good, what we should be looking at. But if you listen to the most recent episode of Towers, you'll know that we have kind of an unusual situation going into Earth. And I also promised you I would share my findings with you. I would share my playtest process. And also, I don't think this podcast would be worth being up on a feed if it didn't at least show you how to build a spellbook in the first place. If you listen to the show and you play me in the tower and it works to your advantage, good for you. Give me a fist bump or something. The first thing we want to do when it comes to preparing for a tower is to figure out what pages we're even working with. I like to go to the Caster Society website. I go to the page section. I click the aura type that I'm looking at, and then I just start reading. I just start scanning through. I'm paying particular attention to pages with Terra bonuses on them as Terra gets a triple bonus at these towers. Once I'm fairly familiar with the pages available, and it's a quite doable task, there aren't that many, and once you know how to read the cards and kind of interpret them, a lot are just going to disqualify themselves immediately. My first goal is to build a gauntlet. Now, what is a gauntlet? A gauntlet in card games is a series of decks you build to test your deck against. This is a big thing in constructed formats. Say I want to test out my new Fearsome Critters Forest spellbook. I want to build a good lightning spellbook, a good cosmic spellbook, a good flame spellbook. I want to build the spellbooks that I'm probably going to run up against and make sure that my spellbook can even tangle with those, because if not, I either need to tune it or I need to find another option. In towers, this gets really interesting because we don't have that many pages. So here's the first step. Here's the first thing that I do. I will build the fastest, most low-end spellbook I can. No frills. Just what hits hard? Is it cheap? How can I throw it at you? And this is where one of the stars of the Earth Tower come in, Tehi Han. Tehi Han's lore originates with indigenous cultures of the Great Plains of the land we currently call Cryptid Nation or the United States. It's a cannibal dwarf. 
They seem quite frightening, and they're going to be all over the place at the Earth Tower. So what is this page? It costs one Earth. Very playable. It has Bloodsucker, which means damage it deals, it's going to heal itself. Not going to be super applicable unless you're playing a very specific spellbook. But why do we like this guy? This thing hits for 145 damage. It's getting a 20 Terra bonus from ground and a 20 Terra bonus from mountain. Triple those, right? So 60 from ground, 60 from mountain. Then add its base damage for Vicious Assault, which is 25. You have 145 damage. Remember Water Baby from Water Tower? Uh, yeah, this thing's hitting even harder. On top of that, it has a wonderful arena effect. Earth Beastie Giants cost three less aura of any type to contract. This effect does not stack. That means as long as there's a Tehihan in the arena, any giants you want to play are going to cost three less. This means that that five drop Cardiff Giant or that six drop Elder Matlocks, guess what? Now Cardiff is a two drop, Elder Matlocks is a three drop. And we're getting some giant spoilers from set six that have water cost or dark cost associated with them because you can reduce any cost. That means you don't even need to run dual auras in your spell book to play those pages because you can just take off the water or the dark cost. You can put 10 of these in a spell book, which is nuts, assuming you're running a 40 page spell book. That means a quarter of your spell book are going to be Tehihans. So we love this beastie. It's going to be hitting hard and it's going to let us get bigger giants out on the field. Another tool that I think is very important when it comes to deck building is the hypergeometric calculator. That's a big word that breaks down to a calculator that's going to give you the odds of pulling specific pages in, say, an opening hand. If you look up hypergeometric calculator and then put Magic the Gathering, it will provide you with some links that are going to tell you what each category does. But in population size, which is the size of our spellbook, I'm going to put 40. In sample size, the number of pages we're going to bookmark at the start of the game, I'm going to put 7. Successes in population, the number of pages of this type that are in the spellbook, I'm going to put 10. And successes, number of wanted pages, I'm going to put 1. At 1, this is almost a 90% of having a Tehihan in your opening hand, which means you're going to have a turn 1 play. We might do a whole episode on hypergeometric calculators, but as you're getting better at deck building and as you're trying to refine your spellbook, it's a good tool. Use it. So I want to build this gauntlet. So I build a couple spellbooks. I make them Tehihan heavy. I'm putting eight aura in each of these spellbooks because remember, we need 60% of our pages in our spellbook to be earth for this tower, which is going to give us 16 slots, including aura that can be non-earth pages. I normally like to run 10 aura, but that only gives us six slots. In this case, Tehihan's low end, I'm going to try eight aura, and then we're going to put aura facts or the crystals in the spellbook. In one of these spellbooks, I'm going to put a bunch of lightning in the bottles. In the other, I'm going to put bookmark cards such as bookmark or growth, the forest page. One of the dual aura facts of earth fatigues for both forest and earth. And so between two of those and two prism auras in my aura slots, that gives me four different pages that will allow me to cast growth for two. And growth is going to draw me five cards, which is hopefully going to be great. So I have a spell book full of one drops and two drops. I'm including Cardiff Giant in both of them because it's effectively a two drop with Tehihan out. And it means that if you draw a handful of Tehihans, you can play them for free. They only cost one. Cardiff Giant reduces earth pages by one. Free 145 damage swingers. 
So I start playing a game. Usually how I do these games is up on my computer, on my monitor, I'll post a picture of this on the Instagram. I'm going to have Tabletop Simulator. I'm going to build these spellbooks with the Caster Society website. I'm going to use Caster Society's Tabletop Simulator mod, which allows you to copy the link from spellbooks, put them in Tabletop Simulator and automatically generate them. This is going to speed things up. And then I'm going to build one of these spellbooks physically. That way I'm playing with physical cards in front of myself and then I have the opposing deck up on the screen. And here's what I find. I run these decks against each other about eight times. And when you have a bunch of one drop 145 damage swingers that only have 45 LP, it really doesn't matter how much LP they have. You just got to know just about everything knocks them out in one hit. It comes down to who goes first and who plays their Tehihans first. There are a couple ways that you can get back. Graveyard Mud is a very interesting potion in Earth. You can have up to two in a spell book, and it allows you to contract Earth Beasties from your Limbo that have a cost of three or less. So Tehihan fits that category. Cardiff Giant does not. Even though you're only paying two for it, it's still a five cost Beastie, so you can't use Graveyard Mud. But you can have up to two of these, which means if your opponent gets ahead of you, you have some Tehihans in Limbo. You can throw out a couple graveyard muds, get a few more bodies, however they're going to be fatigued. But through these games, Tehihan wasn't going to cut it. That's what it came down to. Running a bunch of this really great card wasn't going to do it because it came down to trading. On my turn, I play a Tehihan. On your turn, you play a Tehihan. On my turn, I play two Tehihans. I use my Awakened Tehihan to knock out your Tehihan. On your turn, you play two Tehihans. Maybe you have a lightning in a bottle, you knock one or two of mine out. It just goes back and forth. And that's a luck factor I don't want to rely on. So I have version one of these decks. We're now going to go into version two provisions. What am I adding? I need defensive options. I need a page that if I play it, a Tehihan can't just knock it out. Now I have a bunch, but for me, because I'm specifically iterating off of these existing spell books, I'm going to be looking for things like first strike. So I look at Mountain Boomer, which is a three cost. You can put up to four in a spell book. It only has 50 LP, but it's doing 60 damage without other effects. It does have other effects, which is enough to kill a Tehihan. That means it does not matter how many Tehihans you run at a Mountain Boomer, the Tehihans are going to die because Mountain Boomer having first strike is going to hit them first. I keep one of the spell books the same. I put Mountain Boomer in the other spell book and lo and behold, the one with Mountain Boomer just wins outright. So now we're going to iterate again. We're going to go into version three. I am going to update the losing spellbook, putting in Mountain Boomers, and now I want to find a way around Mountain Boomers. So I'm looking at some bigger beasties. Now I've already said I'm including Cardiff Giant because it just lets you throw pages out from your hand, and that's great. But a page that really stuck out to me was John Henry, mostly because he not only has unblockable, but he gives all of your beasties unblockable. Which means, say they have a Mountain Boomer out, and you say, well, my Tehihan attacks Caster, or my Tehihan attacks the other Tehihan, they're not going to be able to declare blockers. And here's where I start running up against some problems while I'm developing these spellbooks. Earth is slow. Earth is not water. Earth does not bookmark you a bunch of pages naturally. Earth is not as consistent. And there are going to be games where you only have a couple of Earth Aura out if you're running eight. Now let's talk about some things I've done to try to get around this. One point of experimentation is running six artifacts. So let's talk about artifacts. Every aura type has a zero cost artifact that allows you to fatigue and generate two of that aura type. In Earth, that's called the Earth's Core. 
They have 50 LP, so they're easy to kill in this format, but if you can get them out, they're gonna get you ahead. Every aura type also currently has four different artifact essences, two of different types. So in Earth's case, we have Petrified Wood, which fatigues to generate an Earth and a Forest Aura. And then we have Glistening Beach Rock, which fatigues to generate an Earth and a Water Aura. Now, there are a bunch of other artifact essences that are going to generate Earth Aura, but they're going to take up a non-Earth slot. I would rather have those for things like bookmarks, lightning in a bottle, etc. An important thing to note with artifact essences, you can only have two artifact essences out at a time. However, those original aura facts, for example, Earth Core, is not an artifact essence, which means you could have two Earth's Core out and two Petrified Wood, or two Earth's Core out and a Petrified Wood and a Glistening Beach Rock, for example, but you could not then put out another Petrified Wood. So I started out running six of these. I'm running eight aura pages, and then I'm running six of these aura facts. I have a lot of potential to generate a lot of aura, which is great for pages like John Henry, who cost five. In fact, a lot of the Earth Beasties just cost a lot. Now let's say in your opening hand, you get an aura and you get three of these aura facts and you get a couple Tehi Hans. You're gonna throw those aura facts down. You're gonna pay for a Tehi Han more than likely, but then you're not gonna have a lot of pages left in your hand. And that's kind of a problem because it doesn't matter how many pages you can pay for if you don't have any pages to pay for. So this is where balance of card draw comes in. A huge card for the towers format is absorb aura. If you don't have a play set of these of four, get them, they're from the nightfall set. This is a zero cost neutral spell that reads destroy target artifact that has an aura cost of zero. Bookmark a page and generate one aura with the same aura type as the destroyed aura fact. In other words, if you play an aura fact, you pass to my turn, I can play absorb aura, absorb your aura fact. Now you don't have that aura fact, I get to draw a card, and I've generated one aura, making it so I can play bigger stuff than I otherwise would have on my turn. Aura facts, I think, are going to be rampant in most likely all of the towers, which means absorb aura is also going to be common. When your opponent plays an aura fact and you play an absorb aura, you're putting them behind and you ahead, which is good. But there's another thing not everybody thinks about when it comes to absorb aura, and that is absorbing your own crystals. Let's say you're in a tight spot. Your opponent has more beasties than you do, which means they're going to be able to remove anything you play down. You have an aura fact and an absorb aura in hand. You can play that aura fact. You can then absorb your own aura fact, drawing you a page and generating an aura of that type, in this case, Earth. You've spent no aura. You now have one aura plus whatever you can generate with pages. That might swing the game for you. Say you play a Cardiff Giant, you can play it for two, so you've already generated one, you play one, and now you can just drop the Tehihans in your hand. Or say your hand is garbage and you have a New Year's New Beginning, so you can attempt to New Year's New Beginning with that aura. And better yet, let's say you're in a good spot in the game where you don't necessarily need all of that aura, or you're not going to continue to need all of that aura. On your turn, if you have an Awakened Aura Fact, let's say in Earth's Core, you can fatigue it, generating two earth aura. You can then absorb it, generating an additional earth aura. So now you have three earth aura and bookmarking you a page. This is a great play and one I saw a lot of the top 32 casters do during the water tower. So this is where building my gauntlet starts to get a little trickier. I really like Mountain Boomer as a beastie. I like that if it dies, you can bring it back with graveyard mud. I love its first strike. I like that it has tribal boost. And while it eats Tehihans for breakfast, it does not eat other Earth Beasties for breakfast. 
And this is where we get into, if you know that old children's song, The Little Old Lady Who Swallowed the Fly. We had a fly, the Taehyans. We ate a spider, which was the mountain boomer. Now we want to eat a cat to see what eats the spider. And it turns out that's a lot of things. Now we're putting bigger beasties in the spellbook that a Taehyan can't knock out in one hit, which means it either needs first strike or it needs to have more than 145 LP which it turns out is a lot of stuff, at least with a very specific trait, and that trait is Defender. I mentioned Defender in the last episode, uh, but once again, Defender doubles the Beastie's LP when it is your opponent's turn. So say you have 100 LP normally, a Tehihan would go and knock out that Beastie easy, dealing 145 damage. But if it has Defender on your opponent's turn, your beastie has 200 LP, which means the Tehian's going to deal 145 damage, and then your beastie's going to hit them back, probably eating their Tehian. If they really need that beastie gone that turn, they can throw another one at it. And when it passes to your turn, that beastie will be destroyed. But it beats having just your Tehihan get eaten by their Tehihan, and this is where we're starting to move. So we're on version 3. I'm adding some bigger beasties. I'm adding ways to get around Tehihan. And I feel pretty good about having a basic spellbook for a gauntlet. But a gauntlet's not a gauntlet if it's just one spellbook. We need to build some others. Come in Cactus Cat. At Water Tower, all people could talk about when it came to Earth Tower was Cactus Cat. I can't tell you how many times I heard people say it's just going to be a bunch of people throwing Cactus Cats at each other. Just like before the Water Tower, people thought it was just going to be a bunch of water babies being thrown at each other. So why Cactus Cat? Cactus Cat has Stone Skin, which means it can't be dealt damage out of combat, which is good for Earth. You're not going to be throwing Earth spells at it and destroying it. What's really good is Cactus Cat gets plus 50 damage when the Desert Terra is in play, which it is, which means in this format it gets plus 150 damage. Its base attack is 30, so it's doing 180 damage. It also has Tribal Boost. It's a Fearsome Critter. The term Fearsome Critter is going to start giving some of you nightmares by the end of the Forest Tower. But what that does is for every other fearsome critter in the arena, they get plus 10 LP and plus 10 damage. So if you have a couple cactus cats, they're now doing 190 damage. If you have three, they're doing 200, etc., etc. People think Earth Fearsome Critters is going to be where it's at, so I build an Earth Fearsome Critters deck. And it cannot hold up. It can't even hold up against the first Tehihan heavy deck. And here's the issue. In Forest, your fearsome critters cost one, and a lot of them have Convert, so with Lightning in a Bottles, you can flood the arena with Fearsome Critters in a turn or two. In Earth, the Fearsome Critters cost two. Cactus Cat costs two, which means, say turn one, you play an Earth Aura, you absorb Aura and Artifact, now you can play a Cactus Cat. On turn two, you can play a second Cactus Cat. That's not very strong. Cactus Cats are still within destroy range from just about every beastie. It's too slow. I look forward to seeing other people's Fearsome Critter spellbooks. I know people have some good tricks for this. And my first iteration of an Earth Fearsome Critter spellbook is not the only one I built. But for now, I know Fearsome Critters isn't it. It goes into the gauntlet. And now it's time to refine. I have a few spellbooks. I have the main one I want to work on. So where am I going to get the rest of my gauntlet, at least at this early stage of testing? I'm going to go to Caster Society, I'm going to go to Spellbooks, and if you go down to Community Spellbooks, you can see all of the public spellbooks people make, uh, and there's going to be a bunch labeled Earth Tower. I recommend clicking on those, 
Now, don't fall for the trap. I guarantee you there are people making subpar spell books and hoping that people do what is called net decking, which is just copying a deck off the internet and then going into Earth Tower with a disadvantage. That being said, if you have Tabletop Simulator, it's really easy to just copy these spellbooks over, put them on TTS, and then play a couple games against them. And this is where testing comes. For the final section of this episode, I want to talk about refining. There's a page I had been side-eyeing throughout this whole process, and that is Armadillo Man. Prepare to see a lot of Armadillo Man. Armadillo Man costs 3, but Key costs 1 neutral and 2 earth. It has 60 LP. It has Defender, so it's going to double its LP on an opponent's turn. And it has both Ground and Desert Terra bonuses. So it hits the board with 130 LP on your opponent's turn, that's 270. That's really good. It's swinging for 105. One great thing about Armadillo Man, it has Paralyze on its attack. So if you're dealing with an opposing beastie that's really big and has some key effect texts, you can attempt to Paralyze it and remove those effect texts, and it won't be swinging back at you. I'm going to get more into this page in the next episode, but as I was playing my games, I found that a lot of times my dual aura facts, aka the petrified wood and the beach rocks, is the water or forest aura that they were generating was going to waste. I could not use them on a Mountain Boomer because it costs 3 Earth. But Armadillo Man costs 1 Neutral and 2 Earth. Which means, on turn 1, if I play an Aura and an Aura Fact, on turn 2, I can fatigue that Aura and that Aura Fact if it survives and play an Armadillo Man, which is a very strong turn 2 play. The reason I wasn't looking at this when I initially put Mountain Boomer in is because I was concerned about Tehihans. And if you run a couple Tehihans against Armadillo Man, Armadillo Man is going to die on your turn. Meanwhile, Mountain Boomer, doesn't matter how many you run at it with first strike, they're going to get destroyed. But Armadillo Man has a really interesting destroyed effect. If a ball is within eyesight, you may equip this page to target Beastie or Artifact. When the equipped page is targeted for an attack or declared as a defender, that's a big one, you may place this page into your cemetery and end combat. When Armadillo Man gets destroyed, you can attach it to another beastie, and now that beastie is automatically going to survive a combat. Really good defensive option while doing really good damage. And it was the keystone in going through the next iterations. I hope this episode was useful to you. If you, like many others, are watching this on YouTube, please leave comments on things that you would like to hear me talk about when it comes to testing. I'm only going to be able to cover so much information, and I do take requests. I'm going to post some of these spellbooks in the descriptions of this episode so that you can just plug and play. Don't use them. They're not great, but you'll at least see what my process looks like. I'm going to have one more episode of building spellbooks that does not take set six into account. In the third episode, we're going to start looking at the spoilers and see how that might affect this whole process because it can turn it on its head. My intention for these episodes is that even in the future, when you're working on your flame spellbook or your lightning spellbook, you can see what the iteration process looks like and apply it. Speaking of set six, pre-orders drop tomorrow on many shops. A lot of shops are offering different discounts depending on how you use them. Most of them are offering bundles. I always go to Dylan Tran's shop, tranboysllc.com. Dylan won second place in Caster Cup last year and used his winnings to start a shop that sells MetaZoo and other card games. Uh, I think that's awesome. That's a story I want to support. And he really took care of me during Seance, so I want to keep supporting him. But... Wherever you go, get your pre-orders in, look at those MetaZoo partners, they are really working hard to grow this game, and they're going to give you extras. 
I hope you enjoyed it. Once again, if you're on a platform that offers comments, please comment. Uh, you can also DM me on Instagram. Handles will be in the credits. Until next time. Towers, a MetaZoo podcast, was created by me, Esther Ellis. The cover art was made by Chandler Candela. Music by The Heatley Bros. More details in the description. Want to say hello? Follow the show on Instagram at Towers Podcast. Send me an email at towersgamepodcast at gmail.com and say hi in MetaZoo's Discord servers. Many of the figures in MetaZoo originate in indigenous lore, and I think it's important for me to acknowledge that I make this podcast on the traditional lands and home of the Tongva Nation. This game presents us with a rich opportunity to get in touch with the living cultures that surround us, and I hope you can take a moment to reflect on the history of the land you stand on, and the figures in the cards you play. <laughs>